Today, we're going to discover probably one of the most important things you need to know about God. And it's the one thing Satan always lies to us about. It's the one thing we doubt and we fear and we worry about. And yet over and over and over, God assures us of this thing. So we're going to get there. Welcome to Growing in the Gospel. I'm Pastor Kerry. Thanks for joining me. We are on Friday of our pre-launch week. And thank you for taking the journey with me. A couple things just to take care of some business. First of all, if you are seeing this on Twitter or Facebook on a stream, this is our last day to roll the stream on those platforms to be able to see this. Now, you might see a link, you might see a, a, a tweet or a post pointing you, but I really invite you to go over to YouTube and go to the Growing in the Gospel. That will be under my name, at Pastor Kerry Schmidt, and subscribe so you get notifications uh, every day for this daily devotion. Secondly, share it, tell a friend, and let's see how God will grow this community, grow us in the gospel together. I'm already loving this. And then thirdly, who he will bring to Jesus because of our collective witness. I want to say thank you for helping me this week. Your comments have encouraged me, and already you've been a blessing. I hope that our study in Psalm 81 has been a blessing to you. So turn to Psalm 81 with me. We've covered some amazing ground, and in the next few moments, we have uh, some more just... Uh, jaw-dropping, eyes-wide-with-wonder kind of consideration. And I've been praying for you specifically that this would be an encouragement to you today. Well, we're reading a psalm that's a call to worship, and so we've seen so much in this already. We're picking up today in uh, verse 10. Uh, So God has called us to sing, to celebrate. He's declared himself to be our strength. He said, come before me, make a joyful noise. Bring your instruments, bring your song, blow the trumpet, come to a feast. Uh, Have a solemn part of your heart where you understand who I am and who you are and what this relationship is. Um, But then understand my testimony and what I've done. I've delivered you. I've removed from you the burdens uh, that you were under, your condemnation, your sin, all of this. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the historical psalm being delivered from Egypt through a New Testament gospel lens. I, I hope you understand that. We are, we are understanding the bigger picture, okay? Not just that God was celebrating or the Israelites were celebrating their deliverance from Egypt. The deliverance from Egypt was the picture of a greater deliverance. And it was just a sneak peek at the heart, a much more generous, much more uh, massive heart of God that was writing a much bigger story, a grand story of the redemption of humanity. So he's a deliverer. He says, you called me in trouble, I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder, those intimidating, those dark, those stormy places in our lives. I proved you at the waters of Meribah. He even hears us when we're griping and complaining and murmuring, and he, and he does impossible things in our lives. And then he says in verse 8, hear me, O my people, I will testify. So now he has something to say. And we said that worship is not just singing, it's hearing, it's receiving the words of God. And then he says, hearken to me, and if we hearken, if we obey then there will be no strange God in thee. You won't be vulnerable to deception. You won't fall prey to idolatry, to things that will be self-destructive, to the lies of your world. You won't fall into giving or expending or living your life for the wrong values, the wrong priorities, the wrong, the wrong things, idols. Neither shalt thou worship any strange God. You'll, you'll have a real God who loves you, who secures you, who guides you, directs you, shepherds you, leads you, uh, 
shelters you, comforts you, calms you. I mean, I could go on and on. So God is is protecting us when he says, don't worship other gods, stay with me, hearken to me, obey me, because his commands are born out of love. Um, I shared a quote with our church family um, the last two weeks as we've been studying John 15, and over and over, Jesus says between chapters 13 and 16, if you love me, keep my commandments. And what is he, what is he saying? Well, first he, he talks about how much he loves them. He washes their feet. He tells them he's the greatest friend that will lay down his life for his friend. He tells them he's the good shepherd that's going to give his life for the sheep. So he, he lavishes them. Chapter 13 begins with he loved them unto the end, which means he loved them as much as anyone could be loved. He loved them infinitely and completely and purely. So Jesus says, I love you, so live in my love, live in my boundaries, live in my commands, because his commands flow out of a heart of pure, comprehensive love. So living in that love is our place of greatest blessing, greatest flourishing. He says in chapter 15, these things have I uh, spoken unto you that my joy would remain in you and that your joy would be full. So the lie of Satan is that God is a liar, that God is an oppressor, that God is withholding blessings, that God is greedy, that God is stingy. That's the, that's the lie that goes all the way back to the garden. Listen to this quote from John Stott. In the garden, God made man both morally responsible, that is aware of his authority and his commands, his boundaries, and free, invited but not coerced into loving obedience. So morally responsible and yet free. He continues, we cannot therefore acquiesce in license or licentiousness or lasciviousness or abuse of liberty because that denies responsibility. Nor can we acquiesce in slavery or bondage or forced compliance because that denies freedom. Christians both know, both from scripture and experience, that human fulfillment is impossible outside of some context of authority. Now, that word scares us, authority, okay? And for good reason, by the way, because there's plenty of examples of abuses of earthly human authority. We've all experienced it on some level. We could all tell some pretty bad horror stories of that. But then he continues, freedom unlimited is an illusion. Some kind of freedom outside of authority is an illusion. Why? He says the mind is free only under the authority of truth. If I'm not living in truth, I'm in bondage to lies. Delusion. Illusion. So the mind is free only under the authority of, the, of truth. The will is free only under the authority of righteousness. In other words, I'm only really free in my doing, in my living, if I'm doing what is right, because right is its own blessing. It's its own source of flourishing and goodness. God wired, God made the world so that there's right. And because there's right, there's wrong. And if I live out of bounds of the right, then I'm not free. I'm in bondage to a path of pain, self-destruction, and hurt. He continues, it is under Christ's yoke, his commands, that we find the rest he promises, not in discarding it. Similarly, citizens can enjoy freedom only in an ordered society. And don't we see that coming apart? Parents, he continues, with teenage children also know the truth of this principle. For adolescents who are rebelling against parental authority are wanting not only to experience greater freedom, 
but also to discover the limits of their freedom. How strong are those limits? How strong is the love of their parents? He says, because as they push against the fence, they devoutly hope it will not collapse. So here's the point. With the commands of God, with the hearken unto me commands, come the boundaries in which we experience his love, our greatest joy, our greatest flourishing, because that's how we were designed. So I want you to see this. We're going to come back to the greatest thing we need to know about God. Verse 10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. So look again. I said this yesterday. Done always comes before do. Okay. That's the decoder ring for scripture. That's the gospel. The gospel is what has God done for me. It is good news. Jesus has accomplished the work of redemption that we could never accomplish. All the bad news in the word of God is given as a diagnostic to point us to the greater good news that overcomes the bad news. So are we unwilling to teach or preach the bad news? Never, never. We take it line by line, paragraph by paragraph, verse by verse. Why? Because the bad news gives us the very clear diagnostic of how desperately we need a Savior. We need mercy and grace. We need a God who isn't demanding that we live up to his standards because we never could. We need a God who condescended, who came and lived the perfect life that we could never live, die the death we deserve to die, and then offer and extend his love freely in mercy by grace that can be received by faith. It doesn't have to be earned or lived up to or achieved. It can be received by grace through faith. So what is the thing we need to know about God? First of all, look at what verse 10 says. I am the Lord thy God. He is declaring his authority but his love. I am your shepherd. I am your father. I am your creator. I am everything to you. I Then he says, here's what I've done. See the pattern. You'll see it everywhere. It's the decoder ring. Here's what I've done. I have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. I, I am savior. I am deliverer. I am redeemer. I am the hero of the story. I'm the one who ran into battle and rode out victorious, saving you as uh, the bride, the princess from the claws and the teeth of the dragon. I rode in and I absorbed the blows and I fought the fight and I conquered and I rode out victorious with your victory, with your salvation. He's the hero. He's the deliverer. Isn't this beautiful? Okay. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then there's a colon. Now, what do we do in response? God, how do I respond? And here, look at the gracious heart of God. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. What a savior. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Now, I don't know what picture comes to your mind, but I know what picture most likely came to the mind of ancient Israelites when they read this, when they wrote this, when they sung this, when they worshiped to this, open your mouth wide and I will fill it, is the picture of a young one, maybe a bird, maybe a baby, totally dependent on mama, but ready to receive. Oh, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. You'll, you'll, you'll make fun of me in the comments. Uh, open your mouth wide. God says, I am your need meter. I will fill your heart. 
I will fill your life. I will take care of your needs. Trust me. That picture of opening, opening your mouth wide is a beautiful picture of innocent, total dependence. Rest in my arms, lay back in, on my elbow, and open your mouth wide. I want to take care of your needs. Didn't Jesus say this over and over, four times between uh, John 13 and John 15? He said, anything you ask in my name, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Not just anything you want. He's not a genie. He's not a concierge. Anything in line with his will, anything in line with his purposes and his unfolding plan for your life. When you hearken, when you submit to him, when you come under his loving leadership in your life, you can lay back and rest. Your anxieties can melt away. Your fears, let not your heart be troubled. And he says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. What do you need to know most about God? He's a giver. He is a giver. He's not a taker. And anything he asks us to give to him, it's only so that he can more abundantly overflow to us in love. He only takes from us what we can stand to lose and what we're going to lose anyway so that he can give to us what we can never, ever lose. My friend, God is a giver. He's a loving, gracious, lavish, generous, abundant, overflowing giver. If you don't belong to him, call out to Jesus right now. Ask him to come into your heart and save you. If you have more questions about that, email me, uh, reach out, post a comment. Uh, we would love to talk with you more. But if you're a believer, my friend, relish the fact today that you can open your mouth wide and let him fill it. Well, that's our Friday episode of this daily devotion in Psalm 81, and we're progressing through a couple things I want to remind you of. First of all, subscribe. Second of all, share. Third of all, pray. Pray for those that watch this podcast, this video, this devotion, that God will work in their hearts. And remember, starting Monday, it's all on YouTube. So I'll see you there. Have a great weekend. If you're local, come visit us at Emmanuel. Otherwise, I'll see you on Monday.